everyone, it's Mallory and Marlene, and we are back with another episode of Let's Talk Weddings with YSW. And today we're talking all about happy families uh, and how to include your parents in your wedding without, I guess, giving them too much control over the day, would you say? Yeah, it, yeah, I would say it's about that and how to still yeah, be in control and not not feel like you're giving up your your one day to your parents yeah which I guess makes sense because you can feel really obliged especially if they're helping out as well that you want to make them happy and you maybe lose sight of absolutely for parents it's it's maybe even a bigger deal for them than it is for you and sometimes Mm. your little girl get married or you know your little boy that's just everything to you and maybe (laughs) those include certain people in the guest list people that you might not be that fussed about but yeah to your parents See, that's where elopement really makes me think of it being a good idea. But then my mother would kill me. <laughs> that would be the case for a lot of people. <laughs> okay, so first things first, um, let's tackle the elephant in the room. Who pays for the day? And if your parents pay, do they get control over your wedding? Hmm. That's where I would sort of draw the line. Like, I wouldn't want them to have control over my day, especially the little parts that are like personal to you know me and my partner I'd really want that to sort of represent us and yeah who we are so and but then like you say you'd feel obliged and especially if they were paying for a huge part of the day mm. but is that quite unconventional nowadays do parents still pay for weddings I don't I think, think they might contribute to it um, but it wouldn't surprise me if more and more couples are actually wanting to have that autonomy themselves or kind of feel like it's their thing. Yeah. Um, and it can be so, um, like traditionally it would have been the bride's parents that paid, but in my head, that's a bit unfair as well. Like to have one side pay, but not the other when it's both of your children going in. So I think a lot of kids will, well, kids, we're not kids when we're getting married, are we? We're, we're adults. Um, will probably take the reins themselves and maybe the, the contribution is from a parent. Yeah. I think parents. Say that parents will contribute slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably always going to parents for a bit of help financially in some way or another and I imagine Mm. a wedding day isn't that different there will probably be and there'll probably be parents that want to contribute that will hand over a wee envelope and say here's this towards your day Mm. I'd like to think that most of them probably wouldn't expect much in return for doing that yeah to be acknowledged um, and to include maybe certain guests in the in the guest list or I suppose it depends on the parent, how yeah. uh, she are they uh, to have their own way. I know my mum's mm-hmm. great. She would never um, sort of control any, any aspect like that. And I think my happiness would always come first. Yeah. I feel very lucky that my mum is like one of my best friends. Yeah. So I think it would be a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I think we're both very lucky in that way. So um, always a tricky one. But um, do openly discuss the financials if your parents ask. I advise Laura Devine, who's a owner at wedding planning service, Divine Bride. She says, assume you'll be paying. And then if parents do offer, it will be a welcome addition to your budget. So, yeah, I think that's totally yeah, what it is. Definitely. Don't assume that 
that's quite old fashioned to, like you say, the bride's parents pay for the day. I suppose it would be like the father of the bride would pay for the day. Um, but I'm probably, I'm one of these brides that doesn't have a father in the picture. So I would not so have what, parental backing. <laughs> exactly. So what happens then if, if a parent isn't available or if or financially just can't manage it? How about if you want this extravagant, amazing wedding that costs heaps of money? Like, how can you expect parents to pay for that when it's your choice, right? <laughs> it's like going back into the days of having a dowry offered <laughs> for your daughter. <laughs> but I, I think that it is, like, like she says, if you, if you ask to fund a specific element of the day, like if it's flowers or, um, or the dress or something, and I think that's handy for the split families that she mentions in, in the article as well. Definitely. And it means that parents can then contribute to certain elements and feel included and like they've, you know, helped because that's all parents want to do at the end of the mm. day, isn't it? It's like, help. I know that's definitely the case for my mom. She just wants to offer everything she can, whether it be financial help or physical mm. help. But I guess, but are you then going to have a, a bit of an issue with is the mother of the bride going to pay for this part? And then the mother of the groom might feel like she's not included and she wants, she's not offered mm. enough. And like that could be maybe a bit of a tension yeah. there. If they both want to come and pick out your dress and, oh, I suppose it could get a bit tense, a bit political in certain <laughs> places. Actually, if we look at like just wedding expenses, because our parents would have been married in a different decade, they're not going through an economic collapse like we are this year, for example. So how do you then sit down and have the discussion with them about actually it costs this now to get married? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Times have completely changed and there's probably certain priorities that we have that they wouldn't have had. Um, you know, church weddings were probably the complete mm. norm, whereas now we're looking at having, you know, completely unique and individual venues, um, maybe even destination weddings and things that they probably would never would have even dreamed mm. of. Having a, like a destination wedding would incur loads of problems because then the guest list couldn't be as large as a traditional church wedding could have allowed for you'd have to really sort of rein that in and that's when I guess parents would start to say well no I'm not paying for that if auntie Joan can't come yes exactly oh god I, I think I will panic if things like that get placed upon me like you have to invite this person because of x y and z it's already a struggle like trying to figure out how much of your family do you invite how many friends do you invite like what where does the buck stop how many people do you stop inviting so that it doesn't become this wedding of 500 people when actually you would rather have 50 people well, that's it and since covid um we've really seen a sort of increase in people wanting to have a more intimate wedding and use that money in different mm. ways so instead of spending a fortune on three course dinners for 200 people you can then you know add entertainment and really personalized things uh for you know 50 to 100 people which is a much more manageable number mm. so I think these are all things that you need to sort of sit down and discuss with your parents so that everyone has an, an understanding of what you want at the end of the day. You can all work towards 
creating a day that everyone's happy with. So if we really look at the guest list, so going back in time, parents who footed the bill were would usually dictate the guest list and invitations would come for them. Now, the wedding manager at the Glasgow venue citation, Louise Hollywood, has said that a small parents list is still quite common, but this depends on capacity, budget, and their potential spend. Um, and if they are contributing, then Laura suggests that giving them a quota of who and how many they can invite. Um, And then just really keeping the conversation open, bearing in mind that you're likely to cater for both sets of parents to keep it fair. Um, And if you're self-funding it, well, self-funding your wedding, one way of looking at it is making sure that they have a good time by allowing them to have some close friends to celebrate with and like ask for a short list of people to take them from there without any initial promises. And then when it comes to the invitations, like keeping the wording really, really simple and inclusive. So regardless of the bill or split families, the the most common at the moment, she said, is together with their families, which I actually find really nice because to me, a wedding is about that coming together of families and having that merge. Yeah, definitely. I I really agree with giving your parents a quota of who and how many they can invite. It means you've acknowledged to say, I know you're going to want to have certain people Mm. there. Laura also says um, you're allowing them to have some friends to celebrate the day with as well. So it's not just going to be your parents sitting at a table on their own with people that maybe they don't know so well. It means they can equally enjoy the Mm. day with people that mean a lot to them. So everyone's having a good time because that's really what everyone wants ultimately is to have a great time and like you say, together with families. So so what do you think about getting wedding ready? Okay, so ahead of the big day, inviting keen mums on your dress hunt is a surefire way to include them. But how about asking dad Ooh, to- I like that. You- <laughs> I, I, like I kind that. of do. It's really cute, but how fun is it to see them completely tearing up, especially if they're the, the usual like strong kind? <laughs> lovely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like you said, I don't have a, a father that I can sort of put into that scenario, but I do have a, a future father-in-law that is fantastic. So would you invite him? I def- oh, I, he would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. You would definitely make a make the day very lighthearted. I wonder, would you? I think I would get my mum to actually make my dress because my grandmother is a seamstress and and she makes her own clothes. So, like, I'm going down the route of of having her make a dress, but. Would it still be something worth like going out and looking at dresses and trying on dresses? Because that almost feels like a rite of passage as well. Definitely. That's such a beautiful thing to do for your day. Um, what a lovely way to include your mom and to have to have a you know, a create a dress that means so much mm. to you. Uh, yeah, I would definitely still go out and try on dresses. <laughs> but can't miss that. What a fun day. And um, you might find a style you hadn't even thought of before as well, even if you are having it tailor made. That's it. Even to just get an idea of what you mm. like, because I've heard many a story of a bride being adamant she wants a certain dress, so much so that she's gone out and bought it without even thinking twice about it. And then when she tries it on, she's gone, oh, no, I don't mm. like it. <laughs> so I think we're probably all quite guilty of being dead set on wanting something and then maybe being taken aback when it's not exactly what you thought it was going to yeah. be. And thinking again about having the father or father-in-law, that, that like manly figure 
um, being there when you're trying on dresses. I really love the idea. But then now I'm also thinking about that first look, you know, when they see you all, all dolled up and stuff. Do you think that would take away from that magic if you're planning a first look? Or do you think just on the day things are so overwhelming that they're, they're just going to cry and be happy anyway because it's the full picture with makeup, hair, shoes, yada, yada, yada? Yeah, it's really important to think about that. Yeah, I mean, bridal boutiques are saying it's becoming increasingly popular to have father, dad, father-in-law at the try-on. But like you say, if you're planning a first look, then that's something you really need to consider. I mean, obviously you're not going to get the full picture with hair and makeup and everything all put together and the feel of the day is going to be way more emotional than it will ever be at a try-on. But seeing the dress for the first time is such a massive part of that that yeah that's definitely something to consider I don't know if I would want to ruin that first look right I think I'd want to sort of save that for like the ultimate reveal I I really like that trend of the brides doing a first look with not just the father um like the the father-in-law but also like the groomsmen so like all of the men Mm -hmm. and having that moment where it's quite special that it's just like you the bride with all the men in the in the wedding I think that's so sweet and seeing your friends, like your childhood friends that have grown up with you and you know so well, seeing you made up and put together for the first time and what you're going to walk down the aisle in, I think that's a real special, like you would definitely get some tears from your friends, definitely. that's for sure. So Louise suggests making for something, making something a little extra, a venue sneak peek or uh, making memories together at your menu tasting. So yeah, that's another mm. option. Definitely going on father for menu tasting. I think they'd be a bit annoyed if they weren't included in menu <laughs> Especially tasting. Especially if you're doing a barbecue. Love to eat. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Laura recommends involving through errands as opposed to planning. So avoiding any cases of too many cooks. Um, so yeah, try just to make sure you've included these men in some way or another so that they don't feel like, you know, overlooked. Mm. Give them little jobs, just the little unimportant ones that they can't mess up. Anything too high profile. (laughs) Picking up the suits, dresses, buttonholes, something that they can take really seriously. And little checklists. So make sure, uh, you know, tell dad to make sure all the ushers have a buttonhole on um, and that mum can distribute all the, the wrist corsages to the bridesmaids, things like that. Yeah, so little t- it's like giving him the little touches to look after, which is really sweet. Yeah, but nothing that then he can completely mess up and that you'll be panicking yeah. about that, oh, no, dad's going to forget this. I know now, I wonder how many are listening where it's actually the, a role reversal where maybe the mother is the one that's forgetful and the dad is the one that is like super into the wedding and for, for same-sex parents maybe. Like if there's always one that's more involved and the other one is happy to like sit back and let things roll the roost. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> coordinator I, I've seen I actually saw a wedding where mum got very very drunk very very oh dear she <laughs> was being watched by a lot of the bridal party for you know since the get-go and they knew to watch mum she like and we were we were um swapping out her Prosecco for a non-alcoholic just to try and pace wow. her down because it was pretty bad <laughs> so yeah there's definitely a role reversal you know you you can't give too many jobs to to mum if she's gonna 
get a bit too loose with the bottle of fizz. (laughs) So let's look at the actual wedding day, right? So you're heading down the aisle. Couples are starting to buck the tradition, apparently. Um, And there's been a big pushback about being given away. And this is what Hazel Sharp from Humanist Society Scotland has said, um, that brides don't want any suggestion that they're a piece of property that can be bartered. Um, Do you know what? Yeah. And And she also says that the vast majority, if or when they choose to walk in with someone, will assist that they're being accompanied or escorted down the aisle. There's so many options for this. And it's something that's always played on my mind is who walks me down the aisle? You know, I've, I've got a brilliant brother who could definitely do it. I would happily have my mother do it. Um, but you're then getting completely away from tradition and not having a man you know, escort you down the aisle. I actually read something the other day um, that suggested you should walk yourself down the aisle to a certain point and then you could have someone come and meet you so that you're experiencing walking yourself down the aisle, but then you're also having, you know, mum or dad come in and then take you that remaining part of the the trip down the aisle. That's given me shivers. That is so sweet and adorable. I really like that. And you get your diva entrance all by yourself where eyes are completely on you. Well... So um, Hazel's colleague, Ross Wright, he, he agrees. He he thinks that he remembers a bride that loved her father, but chose to make her entrance by herself. Um, and she was an inspiring example of a strong, independent woman. Um, and, and there's certainly something to say about that, isn't it? The, I think there has been a big change in how women portray themselves and, and definitely going towards that independent. I don't oh. need someone to give me away. I give myself away. Um I don't need Yeah, <laughs> ironically. Yeah, I love that. But then at the same time, you don't want to exclude anyone and make them feel like you don't want them to be a part of it. So it is, it's a really delicate situation to deal with and to decide. And then I guess it's having conversations to explain why why you want to walk down mm. on your own. But then maybe that's an option is to walk yourself down halfway and then have dad come in for the, the second part of the yeah. aisle. That like, really I just think about my dad's personality and like he wouldn't be keeping me. It would be a case of please take her off of my hands. Like she's yours now. Take her. <laughs> so I wonder how you could incorporate, you know, the dads that have that kind of humor where, of course, they love you, but they want to make it a bit more while well, showing their personalities of being a bit more cheeky, maybe. <laughs> I know Louise's citation was saying that the traditional entrance has remained a preferred option for most couples, um, but we are starting to see um, an increasing inclusivity. So obviously, you know, couples are, um, you know, bringing in mum for that role. I mean, families are different mm. these days. It's it's very rare to have, you know, you know, a, a, a mum and dad are still in the same family. You know, that's brilliant if you have that. But I know for a lot of people, it's just not the case. So you know, times have changed completely. I really like her idea of having dogs do the honours. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Doesn't it just make you melt? (laughs) Absolutely. But they're going to just steal the limelight. Everyone's going to be looking at the dog. I'm okay with that. (laughs) I think definitely uh, a dog ring bearer um, or, um, you know, best, best man, best pup. Oh, so many options. I love dog weddings. I'm so pro dogs at weddings. In fact, any animal. Yep. More the merrier. Now, she's also seen this trend continue for rituals with parents. So drinking from the quake. And in fact, Mal, can you tell people that are not Scottish, that are not Scottish, what a quake is? 
So yeah, a quake is like a little silver dish which holds a little vessel to hold um, a little alcoholic substance. Um, and it's a bit of a tradition in Scotland. You you offer it to your partner uh, to take a sip and they, they give it back and offer it for you to take a sip. Um, so you're both sharing from the same vessel. It's quite a lovely little tradition, really. And then a lot of couples have um, an engraved quake which then they'll keep forever and cherish that and um, but yeah I have seen uh, couples involve parents in this tradition as well so not only do the bride and groom share a drink from the quake but then they offer it to mother of the bride father of the bride father of the groom um, and everyone sort of gets involved in that which is lovely great for photo opportunities as well and you can really put whatever you want in it too so if you're not a drinker you could put in a little little non-alcoholic or um, even just a little bit of juice or something. And if you don't like um, whiskey, you don't have to put in anything so strong. I have seen some grooms completely down the oh quake. <laughs> double, double nip right at the start of the day. Um, but yeah, it's completely up for whatever you want to do with it. And it's quite beautiful going back to what we were saying earlier about um, having the two families merge together. So actually having them all drink from the quake, that it really does emphasise that families coming together element as opposed to just the bride and groom. Definitely. It's such a lovely uh, tradition. It's it's such a special moment. Um, same with things like hand fastenings. Mm. Like ceremonies go so quickly. Uh, so you really, especially if it's not a, a, a religious ceremony where you would be singing hymns and things like that for a, for a humanist ceremony or um, something conducted by a celebrant, it's nice to include these additional things to prolong that ceremony. Um, so yeah, quakes, hand fastings, all that, it's it's great in my opinion. I love that it's that traditional. It's one thing that really made me fall in love with Scotland generally is that um, throwback still to pagan customs that still live in our society and the culture here and really strongly. And I, I, I really like that. I find it quite romantic. Yeah. Marilyn Jackson from Humanist Society Scotland has said that um, the ceremony often includes a section where parents are thanked for their love and support and for helping their children become the people that they are and who they fell in love with and welcoming them into each other's families. So a quake really just kind of symbolizes that whole thing mm. as well. So yeah, parents involved in the quake, that's, it's a brilliant idea. Now, for anyone listening to this, um, you can actually find this article on our website by visiting yourscottishwedding.co.uk. So you can read a little bit more on that, see some beautiful pictures um, and just kind of get a, a feeling about how to include your parents in your wedding. That's it for this week at Let's Talk Weddings with Your Scottish Wedding. If you'd like to be featured in one of our future episodes, get in touch with sales at yourscottishwedding.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.